Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Shelly. And welcome to another episode of Chicks. And Dicks. Shh. <laughs> well, that was wild. <laughs> oh my god. How are you doing, Rach? I am doing okay. <laughs> that's wow. All, that's all I can say. Um, I've got a little bit of a headache forming. Chris is sick. So, like, I'm desperately trying to not get sick. Hmm. And I don't usually get sick from him. So, my constitution. Maybe sick of him? But... <laughs> well, that's a different story. <laughs> 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 but otherwise, doing okay. A little frustrated because of something stupid at work. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. I can say about that. All right. All right. Yeah. How about you? Good. Okay, great. Glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> no, it's just um, things are going well for the businesses that are starting. So mm-hmm. a couple of contracts coming through, people interested in our products. Um, it's more just government regulation, that type of thing that we have to step through. So, yep. you know, you work for the government. There's a lot of bureaucracy involved. So Sure yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, just getting that done and then... Yeah, it's nice to have warmer weather, hiking with the puppy, yep. doing the usual. Yep. That's, that's really it. Cool. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got nothing otherwise. I mean, I, I did run into two chicks the other day who reminded me why I stopped ski coaching because they're so annoying. Right. Um, and I was at the, the bar with them. They looked at me. I looked at them. We both kind of acknowledged the fact that we're not going to acknowledge each other and we want our separate ways. <laughs> well, it's nice <laughs> so, to have your opinions and choices validated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was one of those things where I was like looking at them and I was like, oh, please fuck off. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then the funny thing is I was with someone and he is also getting out of the industry and I was just like, sorry, I just don't like those girls. And he's like, oh no, they're fucking cunts. I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, validation. Yep. what it's all about people yep mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so what are you drinking this fine afternoon um i am drinking let's see here what are you called again valdivieso of chile it's a brew rose and it's actually like it's in the vqa section and it's quite cheap but it's really good for its price oh, cool so it's like 15 bucks but it's like super dry really nice and quite elegant it's actually okay. really good yeah right, it's cool. good, good score for the price point excellent I am drinking a cherry cider out of a mason jar. Because you haven't done your dishes recently? <laughs> no, actually, we bought like a pack um, and the mason jar came in the pack. So it's oh, like a branded me. mason jar for huh. Brickwork cider. I'm such a sucker for those types of um, <laughs> right? like promotional things. I'm like, oh, free glass. <laughs> exactly. Like, I like, was I kind of concerned, but yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so many. And maybe we'll pick up more free glasses in a couple of weeks when we see each other. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Well, so it was my pick this week. Yep. And I picked Untamed by Sarah Humphreys. And I (laughs) totally picked this based on the cover. (laughs) Describe the cover for us. So the color, sorry, the cover is in hues of yellow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it has a cheetah in the background and like a Hulk and... I don't, I don't know. I don't even find this type of physique really like sexy, sexy. But he's, you know, supposed to be like a fit, buff gym kind of going dude. Hard on the body. Front. Hard body. There you go. That's a good way to describe yeah. it. And um, 
Yeah, other than that, it's just a lot of kind of yellow. It looks like fire. Yeah, it does look like fire, but there's not really any fire. There's in no it. fire in the book. <laughs> although, although I did find some of the, the teasing scenes were kind of hot, but that's all right. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll get oh. there. Yeah, we will. Um, but yeah, I basing this on the cover, I was I had no idea what it was about, but it is. I didn't even know that shifter romances were a thing, even though we've run across this before. I should have, the, you know, guessed that this would be a genre. Book we read was a shifter romance. <laughs> I know, but I always think of that more as paranormal, not shifter. Well, I guess it's a subgenre of paranormal. I don't know. Is shifter really paranormal? Well, I guess it of would be. Of course it is. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. All right. You win. All right. <laughs> shall I synopsize? You shall. And All I will right. drink. Okay. Very good. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Untamed by Sarah Humphreys. The... Amoveo. Amovio? I don't know how to pronounce this <laughs> I don't <word>. know. <laughs> the whole time I was like, um, I, I just, when I was reading it, I said in my mind, Amovio, but I yeah. honestly think it's like Amoveo sounds better. I more romantic. I agree. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Okay. But I think we're just going to butcher it through. The Amoveo are an ancient race who've lived secretly among humans for thousands of years. They are beautiful and incredibly strong, but their race is extremely fragile. Each has until the age of 30 to find their soulmate before their bodies start to die a slow, painful death. Layla Nicholson has spent her life running from a mate she didn't choose. What? Until William (laughs) Fleury finally confronts her. Normally stoic and unemotional, William finds himself befuddled by Layla, his growing feelings for her, and his driving need to protect her. And Layla has to admit that William might be everything she's always wanted after all. Okay. So so there's that. Yeah. This is the third book in the series. I think this is the third. The third. The maybe the first or second time we've read a book that isn't the first in a series. Yeah. And a lot of these are made to kind of stand alone anyway, if they had to be That's read true. in like, order. It doesn't really matter. No. Uh, but it is like when you when you read it, it is very clear that you're picking up in the middle of a larger, larger story. story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what the whole, like, can't mate after 30 thing is. Like, they go through automatic menopause or they become (laughs) sterile or whatever, but... Yeah, I don't know. But to say that they're a race, I don't think... It's more of a species. Yeah, I guess so. I think that's a technicality that we don't want to probably get into. I know, I'm really (laughs) nitpicking, but just because, like... Well, you know, what? I'm not going to get into it. Never mind. Anyway, like- so there's this whole like, so there's this whole <laughs> problem with like half breeds and full breeds. And so it's, it basically reminded me of Harry, Harry Potter, Potter with totally. like blood bloods. Yeah. Yes, so it's pure like, Yeah. So it exactly ends up having this like, and they call them pure bloods also in the book. So you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, so essentially, William is a highfalutin lawyer, I guess, at the age of 28 or 27 you don't really tell you how old he is honestly but, but obviously i thought he was over i didn't realize 30 was the cutoff point i didn't re- i didn't realize that either. that is not just, in the book no it is not it's just like you got to find a mate and if you don't well you're fucked and it's like okay <laughs> well you're doomed to basically <laughs> become um mortal and sad yes <laughs> and unfulfilled for the rest of your life <laughs> like life weird. isn't worth living without your mate wow what a what a lesson to, <laughs> to, to teach your readers. Isn't that right? Um, 
<laughs> so I had no, I always assumed. Shit, I'm almost 40. I've lost Yeah, it. <laughs> you are fucked. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so William's like this big corporate lawyer for the Amoveo Corporation. Hmm. That's clever. Name your fucking corporation after your species. <laughs> who you're supposed to be hiding in plain sight. I felt like that was kind of like almost a throwback to Angel with like the Hart, William Hart and Hart, but you know, like the law firm. I never watched that Angel. Was, okay. Was, there was a law firm in Angel that was all for like demons and representing their yeah. interests as well. And I was like, this reminds me of kind of like a Harry Potter Angel crossover. <laughs> <laughs> well, like those could have been two of her inspirations. No, you never know. Um, but I guess in a previous book, he sort of he runs across Layla. She's a photographer, and I guess the last book is about this woman who's a model, and she she finds well, she's she's like half Amoveo, and anyway, so Layla is a hybrid, what they call someone who's not a pure blood. And I guess William and Layla cross paths in the earlier book, and he's been thinking about her ever since. And his buddies are like, well, why don't you just go talk to her? Um, so he's like, okay, I'll do it. And he <laughs> he can teleport. So yeah. he just, like, appears beside her in her Jeep while she's driving. Oh, no, no, that's, no, no that no, happens no. later. No, I'm he getting flies. confused. No, he flies. He flies. Because he, yeah. he's a he's a gir falcon. He's a falcon. <laughs> he's a falcon, yeah. <laughs> a big falcon, I guess. That means a really fucking big one. I, yeah, I suppose so. So yeah, so he can shift into a falcon. So he flies to the farm because he can sense her. But he's been stalking her in the dream world for two weeks. Yes. So in the dream world, they've been in contact with one another and like, you know, obviously there's sexual tension because, you know, they both want each other, but you know, She's like, kind of had the balls to stand up to him. And then he's like, well, I guess now that she has the balls to stand up to me in the dream world, I should just go somewhere else and follow her. So he then flies to the farm because she decides to take a week off at the or go back to her home farm, which is where she was fostered. Yep. And he just appears. <laughs> yep. Just And he's like, hey, farm. hey. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, well... We're, you're, I'm your mate and you're my mate and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. And she's like, fuck that noise. And he's like, oh, it's really, <laughs> it's really weird that you know what you are because no one usually does. Yeah. The hybrids don't normally know that they're half super powered. Which is weird considering apparently puberty is like a weird thing for them. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was only them because there was three of them living in the same house. I don't know. I suppose. It's like you get a bunch of women together. They all sync up. So you get a bunch of hybrids together. And they all through, go through Apparently, puberty. yeah. Apparently that's a myth, actually. <laughs> the syncing up thing. But yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, so, but Rosie, the woman who raised Layla, she knows all about this stuff. And William's ba- like invited to stay on the farm yeah, for she's just, a little while. Yeah. She's just like, eh whatevs come on in she's supposed to be kind of like this i'm kind of like southernly tough lady i guess just tough love i don't really think she's southern because this is set in rhode island or maryland i guess so but her drawl seems to be like the way she's written i always kind of pictured her as being like you know hon you come and give it to me straight like that kind of thing yeah okay 
I don't know. Either way, that's the way I kind of read it. But anyway, so Rosie's a tough, tough bitch. And uh, essentially, yeah, Will, so William can come and just stay. And her brother, Rafe? Rafe. I Rafe. think it's supposed to be Rafe. Yeah. So he's a half, well, he's like a, an adopted brother. So essentially, she grew up with Rafe and Tatsy, who I'm assuming and there's going to be another book and we're going to meet at another time, um, who's his twin. So they had the twins together. And then it was her. So there was like three half-breeds on this farm. Yes. And they all consider each other family. Yes, and they all consider um, full blood Moveo, um, Moveo, <laughs> whatever you want to call yeah. it. They all consider the purebloods to be like the biggest evil because um, the twins' mother was left. Their, their father was killed by their own people, and their mother was murdered. I think it was, isn't she? I think uh, so. Or died suspiciously. I think. I think I so because. Layla's mother died from an overdose because she was a drug addict. But yeah, and so within the Amovia world, the there are purists who hunt down Amovia who breed with humans. Mm. Uh, and then I guess would hunt down their children as well. Mm-hmm. And that that's a, an important thing for later on in the book. But yeah. in the so meantime... Basically- <laughs> In the meantime, so there's the mate thing. And so William and um, what's her nuts? Layla. Uh, Layla just are constantly full of sexual tension. They just deny, deny, deny. Layla's like, you know, the my father never really cared for me. My, brother, my mother was a drug addict. I've never had a choice in my life. Everybody's always made choices for me, which isn't true considering she's a photographer and being doing just fine so on her own. she's got these huge fucking hangups about fate. And she... Refuses to be William's mate and to accept that this is her destiny because she doesn't believe in any of that shit. And or she, she believes in it, but she wants to deny it. Yeah. And she carries on about like never having any choice in life and all of her choices were made for her. And it's like you were brought to this farm when you were probably like eight years old. Mm-hmm. So what would you know about making choices for yourself? Yeah. You were shuttled from foster home to foster home before then or whenever your mother cleaned up. He went back to her. So you're in and out of the system as a kid, and that's really difficult. But you found a stable home before you reached your teenage years, Hmm. and you were placed with people who are just like you, who can understand what you're going through. And you you were raised by a woman who taught you to be strong and independent. So what the fuck are you talking about not having any choices in life? Yeah, I know, right? So, so, and that's like a huge problem later in the book. I know, I know. and she's always, <laughs> they're always bitching like, she's never had any choice. I'm like, no, that's not true. Yeah, because when they made <laughs> Bianca, it's like, you're the woman who's been in charge of my whole life. It's like, bitch, Bianca <laughs> fucking made sure you were safe, safe and didn't get killed all of well, this time. <laughs> let's get let's get to Bianca later. Because <laughs> Bianca just kind of is like, thrown at us at the end yeah. of the book. <laughs> So Layla's pretty insufferable. She's got this huge chip on her shoulder. Um, but she can't deny her attraction to William. And he, like, and he's he has a real a perfect, stuffed shirt. But he is, yeah, a, yeah perfect gentleman. Perfect gentleman. And he's like, he's like, I don't want to do anything. He's like, understands that she has hangups. He can sense her nervousness because they can sense each other. So he's always being completely tiptoeing around her insecurities. He's trying to, like, bolster her up. He's trying to give her confidence. Like, he is generally... A super solid, nice guy. <laughs> yeah. And she treats him like garbage. 
She can't take a compliment, which I understand. (laughs) (laughs) No, she can't. But then she's like really fucking insecure because when they go to town and they run into Sylvia, who's like the mean girl. So she's like beautiful and rich and all that other shit. And Sylvia just kind of, she drools all over William and invites them to go to a bar. William's like, yeah, we'll be there. Layla's like, oh my God, he likes her. He doesn't like me at all. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, for fuck's no. sake. I know, right? <laughs> he just flew nothing. all the way here and said that you're his destiny. And I know. You're he's, that he's going to go sleep with some other chick who just showed up out of nowhere. All he's done is tell you how beautiful you are and how important you are to him. But because you have zero Rachel. confidence. Rachel. Yes. You're you're my destiny. Bullshit. You know what I'm gonna I don't do? believe it. <laughs> I'm going to go fuck this other chick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you're my destiny, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll just be over here while you make up your mind. It's all right. <laughs> just need to get some pussy on the side. It's all good, destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's so aggravating to read. <laughs> yeah, that part is very aggravating. Yeah. And it just we just we're retreading the same ground over and over again with this crap. Yeah, the really? book is redundant like it's that. It's 300 I have to say. pages of this shit. Mm-hmm. And really, well, so they go to this bar. She, Sylvia pisses her off. She almost transforms, and she's never transformed before, but he like talked her off the ledge of transforming in front of all those people. Mm-hmm. And um, she's always been ashamed because she can't transform. And this is like another one of her insecurities. I don't know why. Because, I mean, well, she, her, her, the twins, the the twins, twins could transform, and she couldn't, but it doesn't mean like. What standards does she have about inadequacy about being a fucking half breed anyway? Anything, yeah, about it to begin with. <laughs> so, except for what she read in like a diary and what no one ever told her. But we never really get a sense of what's actually in the diary. They make a big no. deal about the diary, but then when she reads it, it's like. It's mostly sad. It's basically this woman. It's just a really gets, sad story. Yeah. yeah this, this woman gets, I guess, not dumped, but kind of like. Left left because he's like the man is trying to protect her but she doesn't know that at the time she feels like she's sad and lonely and then basically wastes away and dies <laughs> yep pretty much dies of a broken heart yep yeah so yeah so everybody hates the purebreds because they're selfish bastards and they find out that they're not selfish bastards after all <laughs> oh, <God. sighs> anyway so what ends up happening is that um at one point the farm is visited and they're not quite sure by who yeah, so like when they go out to this bar, um, Rosie is attacked on the farm. And this is like finally the plot gets going. But we're yeah. like halfway through the book at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can, William can sense that there were two in people. In fact, two people at the farm. Like two one stronger than the other. Amovia. And then there's something weird about the energy and how it dissipates and all this weird stuff. And there's weird stuff about Sylvia too because. He senses something strange coming off of Sylvia. So you think she's involved in this somehow. Yeah. Um, oh, and someone and um, Sylvia's dad wants their farm. Yes. So. So anyway, so this attack, this attack happens. Um, they all Rosie's almost dead. Uh, William teaches Layla how to transport her near a hospital so that she can get there to survive. Yeah. And then Rafe and everybody show up and well, Rafe shows up and he's all super pissed, but he's like, I'm going to guard her with my life. And then William's like, my buddies are going to come and we'll figure this shit out. Okay, great. 
And so the people, I guess, from previous books show up, and it's two purebloods and their ha- their hybrid mates, so these two other women. And, you know, Layla is the kind of girl who never had girlfriends growing up, doesn't make female friendships easily. Uh, and she's, like, weirded out about these two women who are now in her house, but they bond, so that's nice. Yeah, but she actually really likes them. They're actually quite down-to-earth and nice. And the other one she knows because she was taking pictures of her for this modeling shoot. Yes. Um, so it kind of mellows her out a little bit to have these other women around. Yeah. And they're also in the, the other perspective is they're shocked that William has made such a, I guess, 180 on his appearance and chillaxing yeah, a little he's being like, happy. He's, he's usually unhappy. Yeah. He's like grumpy or quiet and he's always wears a three piece suit, but he's like hanging out in jeans and t-shirts on the farm. Yeah. He's a buzzkill. <laughs> he's a total buzzkill. <laughs> perfect way to describe him and they're finding that he's not so anymore that's really it (laughs) and they dream up the fucking worst idea ever in the history of plot points like if we go to council we'll just draw everybody out because no matter what their emotional reaction will just give them away because at this point they're like very much convinced that a pure blood has attacked um sylvia rosie rosie sorry my bad yeah yes and so, and that's that <laughs> so the amovia world is ruled by this there's a prince whose name is richard by the I know. way and, and he he's turns a into a lion I oh know. my god yes yes <laughs> Fuck. oh that hurt that hurt Robin to Hood, little john walking, walking through, through the forest <laughs> I'll stop that before definitely lose that. Um so there's the prince and then they have the council and it's like okay we'll we'll go we'll force a council meeting and we'll all go there and because we're half breeds it's going to force the purists on the council to reveal themselves and we'll know who our enemies are it's like great the plan it's like, why would they do that except now your enemies know who you are <laughs> and they want to kill you until you die from it okay so so, <laughs> so but also so here's my thing is, is that prior to them knowing who attacked rosie Okay, so they think they're being attacked by a purebred or someone who's a purist or maybe a family that's hunting down their race, right? Oh, yes, so right. The to go to the council and expose themselves maybe would offer them some protection. But here's the plot twist is that it was a human that attacked Rosie. It was Frank, yes. Sylvia's dad. So it didn't really matter that they could go to council or not at that point and expose themselves. Yeah, that made no sense. They find that out before they go to the council, right? Yeah, so you're just like, so if Frank did it, why go to the council then expose why bother? themselves? Yeah. Well, the other issue, though, is that um, Layla learns about Bianca when she's cleaning up the house after the attack, because the mm. house was ransacked. She finds a letter from Bianca. So that was the Amoveo signature around the farm was Bianca, and then this dark signature was Frank, who attacked yes. Rosie, who wants to buy up her farm, and she won't sell it to him. Because Frank has a gambling problem and beats the shit out of Sylvia. You do kind of feel sorry for Sylvia. Yeah, she does. Yeah, you really do. Um, And I think that's actually to Sarah Humphrey's benefit. She actually did kind of write that well. She did. 
of like all the other failings she has as a writer. Yeah, Sylvia was actually fairly well well written. She was. She turned out to be a pretty good character because you really did hate her. And then when you find out her story, you don't want to believe it. But then it's like, nope, this is really what happened to her. This is true. You do actually have a lot of sympathy for her in the end. And she yeah. turns out to be a good person. Yeah. And I that was I I have to say that Sylvia was probably one of the more interesting parts of this book. Yes. <laughs> she was. I like she ends up being psychic and Rafe's um Rafe's mate. Mate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I liked the other two women, Carrie and Samantha. Yes. They seemed fun. They did seem fun. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have a problem with so much the characters. Like I mean as much as so I find that when you're the love interest in these books, you're always insufferable because you're always kind of being illogical. Yeah. Whenever you're that, but always it's always <laughs> those secondary and tertiary characters that are actually kind of more inf- interesting because they kind of have more leeway in their personality because they're not so driven by their lustful denials. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Like, I'm, I, so far it's been hard in all of the books that we've read. Usually it's those other characters that are more fun anyway. That's true. So, and I and I think that's just the way these ones are written. Like but in it, yeah, this- but the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. It's sort of like a weird template, almost. No, I think we have to totally try and write one of these, and we'll totally fail it. <laughs> <laughs> Big time! No one's gonna want to read that. Crap. And be like hypocrisy. Complete. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the council, and they reveal that like half the council are purists yeah they only thought that there was a few and then they realized that basically there's a civil war yeah civil war is brewing with it like okay way to go guys way to force the issue (laughs) yeah this could have been done more delicately but i think but the whole point was that everybody was surprised at how many purists there were yeah and then layla gets to have words with bianca and it's like Again, because she has this huge chip on her shoulder and, you know, has a speech about how Bianca's been meddling in her life all this time. It's like, no, she no. fucking saved you. No, And then at the end, there she's like, oh, we might have some purists in the family. I don't know. I would hope not. But at the same time, we have a large family. Come and join us. And I'd love to introduce you to them. Like, she's nothing but nice to Layla. And Layla's just nothing but a bitch to Bianca. It's like, she yes. doesn't deserve that from you. Yeah. But the one thing that the diary was super important is it gave a list of all the um the hybrids. Uh, who had kids with humans. Well this is and they fucking bring this up at the council meeting in front of the purists. purists like yeah. we were raised in a safe house for hybrids and there are many more and the purists are like, What? And here's here's the best, like when I was reading it, I was just like, huh, so I am holding in my hand two aces, a three. I'm like, just like, you're like, why don't you just lay the cards know, just- all over for them? Like, just, like, hey, um, we have this diary. You want me to photocopy it? I'll just Snapchat it, okay? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I can't believe like these men are supposed to be. Maybe not like brilliant tacticians, but at the same time, I would feel like somebody would take a moment to be like, let's just pump the brakes on this plan and maybe, as you say, not reveal all of our cards Yeah, to a room full of people who pro- who might hate us and want us dead. Like, Yeah, if we're going to draw them out, let's just not give them all of the information that we have. Yeah, so that was really just... I guess, written in there to drive the story forward in future books. Yeah, I could have been done a little bit better, I think. But... More artfully handled. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so basically, and this is the end of it really, 
annoyed me because it's like Sylvia or um, Layla comes back and she denies William the whole time, even though he's been a perfect gentleman. And then he yeah. gets frustrated and has been like, okay, I guess I've been rejected. So he fucks off. And then when she finds out that he's fucked off because she cut him off because when she's doing her photos, she cuts out everything and her whole world around us. And he takes that as an insult. So he fucks off and then she's like, where is he? And they're like, well, he left because you've been such a fucking bitch. And she's like, oh shit, I have. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <"What?" laughs> yeah. Like you fucking, you've cuddled with them. You've had sex with them twice at this point, And then you just cut them off from your life as soon as you get back from this meeting. Like, and you think that everything will be fine when he's been a perfect gentleman yeah. this, the whole time and he's saved your life and he's helped save the life of you, the people you care about. And he's respected everybody you care about in your life. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. You're just a stone cold <laughs> bitch. But even yeah. before, like, he starts, he gets really frosty, like, around the time they head to that council meeting. So it's like, you know, she, he touches her back to, you know, give her strength and then pulls away once, you know, he realizes that or that she's fine. And then, and then Layla has a real problem with this. It's like, well, how come he does his touch doesn't linger like it used to? It's like, because you made it very clear that you want to have rich. nothing to do with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then they like, just, because they just can't have a fucking conversation no. about it. No. <laughs> oh, And the thing God. is, like, he knows all of her insecurities and she knows all of her own insecurities, but she still won't. She just denies herself any type of pleasure. Yeah, like she's afraid of being happy. Yeah, and so, and also, like, he, as much as they sleep with each other, like, there's a mating words that they say when they sleep, like, when they actually have sex, and like, if they like, say those words when they're having sex or climaxing, it joins them together for life, and he won't say them out of respect for her, because he doesn't want to bond himself to her and then she gets without her permission. about it. I know, and then she's like, I don't, I don't know why he hasn't why said the words yet. I'm like, because you fucking haven't told him to, you idiot. Yeah, like, you once again, you've made it very clear you want to have nothing to do with his Yeah, and that you're terrified destiny. of bonding for life. So he wants to be bonded for life with someone who's terrified? You <laughs> idiot. Christ. Oh, it's so aggravating. And I felt like that that happened really quickly at the end where suddenly he's like, Mr. Frost. It's like, we weren't really heading towards that. And then... And again, I think it was all there just to create more conflict right at the end of the book. Yeah, well, how are they supposed to come together? And that happens quite a lot in these books. But this, I mean, come this on. felt really rushed. Because in the yes. sense, it's like they were sort of well, he's, he's coming to like, an understanding and breaking down barriers. And all of a sudden, everybody's just not talking to each other anymore. It's like, didn't feel like this is the right direction you were headed in. But I guess we need one more final bout of conflict before well, we can resolve this issue. It's an on-off thing, right? So the problem is, is that there's, there's not not a lot of logic in the sense of why people go cold so quickly. It's like it's not like she said, "I'm never gonna do this," and did it, you know, kind of like, um, I guess suddenly, right? If she did it abruptly and was just like, you know, acting emotionally and said, "I'm never gonna bond to you," then he would be like, "Okay, well, fuck you very much," and be cold, right? But mm -hmm. she never says that. If anything, it's like quite the opposite. So I just again, I, I felt like. That was really forced. No, I agree. At the end there. But she realizes she's been a huge bitch. Um, accepts that she is in love with William. Oh, that was the other. I remember texting you about this. When William realizes he's in love with her, he's like, oh my God, when did I fall in love with Layla? That's like, well, it happened in the last 24 hours because you just fucking arrived on the farm. 
<laughs> or here's the thing is like, even though they're supposed to be mates for life, right? So, and the interesting thing is that what's kind of not said is that you can be a mate with someone for life, but not be in love with them. But that seems a little odd. Well, for so like all the other characters in this book, the mate for life thing involves being deeply in love with that person. Yeah. And, and from the perspective of like, oh, I would never, you know, what is it? The Vesalis, the humans that never found their mates. Yeah. It's like for them, they're like, oh, we would never deny anyone the fact that, you know, the pleasure that we never found. Mm -hmm. So it's like in the love that we never found and you feel sorry for them. And it's just one of those things you're like, so obviously you have to be kind of like, at least somewhat in love with your mate. Well, I think I don't that's think. how it works with, I guess, with these people. It's like... But then he kind of brings it up that, like, you know, like, he doesn't want to be mated to someone who's not in love with them. So, like, I don't I don't know if they even know how it works. Maybe not. Maybe the Vassalis are, like, the only ones who actually know because they're fucking missing out on all this shit and everybody's cuddling around them like fucking furries. Well, I guess there seems to be maybe a breakdown of understanding about the differences between sort of lust and passion and love. Yes. And I guess it's a little bit of a problem for the book. <laughs> I don't know. So all in all though, like what did you what did you think of this book? I don't know. I didn't I okay, so I'm I was telling you before the pod, I have a soft spot for shape-changing cats cuz I wanted to be one when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah, cuz I I don't really understand. But I wanted, to, I wanted to be, um, oddly enough, a Black Panther. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to be, uh, yeah, like I, I wanted to be a Black Panther so I could like sneak around in the night and be a ninja, but a cat form. <laughs> See, I never understood, and I still don't, I suppose, the desire or attraction of like for shifters and shifter romances. I guess I it's can. because, like, I also, I don't really like werewolf movies. Okay, I don't like werewolves either, but there's something romantic about being able to, like, you know, jump 10 feet and, like, you know, there's a power to it. And yeah, there's, no, I like, understand that part, but I guess it's the whole just changing into an animal thing. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Well, it's changing into an animal, but still retaining your humanity as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I'm changing into an animal and I have no idea who I am. That's a werewolf, right? Like, yeah. No, that's not. I'm talking about like retaining my intelligence and my acuity, but still being in an animal form. I'd still I'd do that today if I could. <laughs> <laughs> if someone were like, hey, do you want to transform into the Black Panther that you thought of as a child? I'd be like, yes, without the racist connotations. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it have to be racist? I don't know, because the Black Panther is now like a superhero movie made by all black people with a black cast that got an Oscar. But that's not racist. <laughs> well, no, but I... I don't know. It'd just be like if a white woman was determined to a black panther, it'd just seem a little, I don't know, weird these days. I don't, I don't, I don't, I never would have made the connection. Like, well, I, I don't think it's that weird. Yeah, well, we're, we're not racist, so we don't really assume these things. <laughs> I don't know how a racist thinks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either, but either way, I would totally, totally want to be a black panther. <laughs> I, again, no no desire to change into an animal, I guess. Although I always wished I could fly. So you could be um, a falcon. A falcon. Or some kind of awesome bird. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, there are less awesome birds and more like awesome birds. You don't want to be a pigeon? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be less awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, 
a falcon. Do you imagine it's like your wish is like I want to be able to fly, and they're like pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, chickadees, they fly. Are you end up as a penguin, flightless bird? (laughs) (laughs) I want to be a bird. You're an emu. Oh, what vindictive God would do that to you? <laughs> oh, I would. I would. <laughs> oh, like, my goodness. Okay. I'd, I'd give you a warning, though. I'd be like, you want to think that one through before you Maybe before be you real specific <laughs> about what kind of bird we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. How about the sex? I liked it. Yeah, I thought the sex was pretty good. It was pretty hot. I I th- I found the tension was actually pretty good. Yeah. So, to be honest, it was a pretty hot book. It would be hot in my category. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Um. It wasn't. It wasn't very specific in its writing. It wasn't really um, detailed. Yeah. But I thought it was hot. I didn't really. I think there was a lot more sexual tension in the dream realm than in reality in the book. Yes, agreed. I felt that for sure. So, like, when they were together in the real world, like, he was really, really nice to her. And I'm like, oh, that's, like, you know, that is the fantasy. But at the same – because she was such <laughs> – such an ice queen. Um, It sort of killed, I guess, a lot of the – Well, in the fantasy world, like, in the dream world, she had a lot more control. Yeah. And I think that's also And she what... wanted it more. And then, like – when they're making out and having sex and stuff, like it is, you you know, you sort of sense the passion, but the sexual tension when they're not making out or having sex was a little, I don't know. I guess I just, I didn't really feel it that much. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, well, we'll just, we'll disagree. We'll agree to disagree. Oh, I hate One that. I hate things. that fucking phrase. <laughs> <laughs> we did not get into this disagreement to agree. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Do you want to unpack that a little bit more? Oh, man. (laughs) Please. No more. No more. All right. Let's turn to reviews, (laughs) shall we? Okay. Uh, Do you... I think you were looking some up on Amazon. Did you find any? I was. Yeah. Can you please tell us about the book, not the review? Don't even know what the book is about because you're writing all the reviews in place of telling us the plot line. That's... It doesn't make any sense. Okay. <laughs> that's the one-star review. That's the one that's the one-star review. But that's not that's, that's not a review. That sounds like a review of someone else's review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um the four-star review is basically like she found Leia Layla kind of annoying. Yeah. Um and redundant at times, but otherwise, meh, it was fine. Right. Okay. That's all I got. What do you have? All right, I got some reviews here on Goodreads. It has quite a high rating. It's like 4.05. Mm-hmm. stars on goodreads so i've got i have a three star I, I didn't find this terrible so i'm not surprised uh, by that yeah no i mean like usually what we read is pretty highly rated to begin with and we are often surprised but <laughs> yes but i'm not surprised by this one <laughs> really surprised. okay so this because i always wanted to be a cat i know okay this anyway. one says it's a three-star review 75 percent done there Sorry, been there, done that with previous books, 25% new stuff. So that's interesting. Uh, The blurb on the back of the book is not something that would make me pick this book up if I had not read the previous ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's another one. Meh, this one just wasn't good. The characters were terrible. (laughs) 
and the plot mostly non-existent. If it hadn't come as a box set, this one would be the end. Wow. So, like, bad enough that she wouldn't read another one in this series. That's pretty intense. All right, here's a one-star review. I will no longer continue to read this series thanks to this book. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, I had that experience. I was reading... I've done that. I think we've all had that experience. I was reading the True Blood series, and I think it was on book four. And when I finished it, I threw it across the room, and I'm like, no more of this shit. I couldn't hit. It was so bad. It somehow got worse. Like, usually writers get better. Yeah. Do you know know what I did that with? What? So so immediately half the planet's going to drop this podcast, even though we only have one (laughs) listener. Um, Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah, because... I like, everybody's like, should I read the books? I'm like, don't. Just watch the show. The show is good. The books are bad. Because <laughs> if you're a <laughs> fantasy reader, there are so many better books out there. Right. And yeah, he does the world building. But the thing is, he like, half the characters monologue for like 10 pages at oh, a time. Yeah. And then it's like the fucking history. Like, it's just like, and then it, it just drags. A lot of the time it just fucking drags. And it gets caught up and mired in these details. And it's just, there's, I understand like, you know, J.R. Tolkien, when he was world building, like he had the plot of the Lord of the Rings, but then a lot of the other world building stuff came in like the Cimmerillion and like all these other books, right? But J.R. Uh, or um, Martin just kind of like throws them in there in a, as part of his book, but kind of part of like the legacy of someone's monologue and it fucking dragged. And I was like, okay, I'm out. After book four, I remember I was talking to the person I was reading and they're like, and this was even before the show started. And she's like, why are you still reading that? I'm like, because I have to find out what at least happens by the end of this book. Because you know me, I usually stick the shit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did. I couldn't. I couldn't. Do so Game of, yeah, Game of Thrones, out. Out. <laughs> okay. So watch the show. Don't bother with the With the, the whole, books. With all books. that. Yeah. All yeah right. no. mm-hmm. Um. Okay, back to this one-star review. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no worries. So this book kind of killed the series for her. Um, she writes, the mates are shocked. Sorry. Okay. The idea that you cannot choose your mate is deeply implied, meaning there is no room for error because you are predestined. The mates are shocked to be matched with their crazy equal. If their life's basis, their golden rule, is to find the mate they cannot choose themselves or die, then how on earth can there be a civil war because of their choice of mate, human or otherwise? The universe picks and you have to find your mate. How can a war start? The logic to the war is moot. She's got a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. That's pretty much the problem <laughs> with the book. But the problem is, is that I don't think you can read a lot of these books expecting like a lot from a sense from a sense of plot but at the same there's time, always going to be something that makes no sense but here's the thing though i don't know if that's really fair because then that just you're i don't know even how i don't know how to phrase this what i'm trying to say to suggest that an entire genre of literature is so low low brow or low culture that oh, you know it creates this expectation or lowers your expectations to the point where um, the plot doesn't even have to make sense. I don't think that's really fair because no, that's true. I yeah. know that, that that's a fair assessment, but at the same time, I mean, that is a lot of what we read. A lot of it doesn't. Well, a lot of what we read is like silly and ridiculous. But like her point about how if this whole thing is about 
destiny and you're predestined to love a certain person, then why would you go to war over something like that? If it's out of your hands, it's not a choice that you can make for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's right. Like, so clearly the writer hadn't thought it all the way through. And that's a problem when, at least for this book and other books, it's like, you just need, even if what you're writing is completely ridiculous, take the time to think it through, like follow the course you're on to its logical conclusion. No, that makes sense. Right? I mean, and I, she's I agree. just writing, you know, she's writing this stuff one book at a time, maybe without mm-hmm. kind of having a clear idea of where she's going mm-hmm. down the road. So, no, yeah. I understand. Like the yeah. overall story arc gets neglected because of lack of planning. Um, yeah, or the story arc, she's like, she's just making it up as she goes instead of plotting this out well in advance. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. I mean, and that works for some people. Some people can just fly by the seat of their pants. Look mm-hmm. at, you know, Rogue Nation. <laughs> Which one was Rogue Nation? That was number... Oh, it's the one after Ghost Protocol. Number six? I don't... Oh, I haven't seen it. <gasps> and then the most recent one. I haven't followed. seen either of those. Oh, honestly. they are so good. And Fallout calls back to a lot of earlier movies too, oh, but you cool. need you need to see Rogue Nation before you see Fallout. All right, which is the one with the big sandstorm? Uh, that's Ghost Protocol. Okay, that was the last one that I saw. Okay, yeah, I and like. I, was... I mean, I enjoy all of them except for number two. Number two is garbage. <laughs> oh, I like. I I actually really enjoy those movies generally. I just have honestly just not gotten around to it. Well. Get back on that Mission Impossible train because you're in for a great ride. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, I I understand. So. Yeah. Yeah. I ha- I have no problems with watching Mission Impossible. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad so. to hear it. <laughs> I know. I just remember going to to Ghost Protocol or whatever the fuck that movie was and being like we were drinking in the theater and pre-drinking before and not remembering like the last half of the movie oh, and having no. to rewatch it again like a few months later and basically being like I don't remember any, any of this and I and everybody was like uh, like um two friends are driving like obviously they weren't drinking and they were just like you were hammered last night and I'm like I have no idea how I ended up being that hammered well, like you know those you know those really nights where it's steadily. like you're just, you, you know those nights where you're just like drinking, just not even going hard, and you just yeah. end up being slaughtered? That yeah. was that night. <laughs> I woke up the next day, it was fine, but like just, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it's just, you know, if it's steady and continuous, you just, yeah, right? It just happens yeah. very slowly. All of a sudden, you're like, fuck, I'm drunk. Yeah. I don't even think I realized <laughs> that because I was honestly watching the movie and drinking and in drinking. the theater. Yeah. Okay. Well, that so. makes sense. Yeah. I think probably it was maybe the canned wine that we were drinking. Oh. <laughs> See, my my friend, she makes sure she gets bottled wine, but she makes sure it's got a screw top. So at least, yeah. you know, the wine we're drinking of a slightly better caliber. than. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So the funny thing is, is that actually the canned wine in the theater was something that Michelle introduced to me. I remember doing and that she was in the first And the first time I ever did it, we were watching Star Wars, but we'd always have to open the wine at like at a loud part. part. Of course. <laughs> so you just like have to open like two at the time. I heard, I heard once, it was you and me and a friend of ours, we had a six pack of beer. <laughs> and I 
think we had to buy a bottle opener when we bought the beer because it wasn't twist top. Yeah. <laughs> None of us had an opener with us. So we'd actually like plan that out. <laughs> you do have to plan those things out. So yeah. So the this I guess the moral of the story is if you're going to drink in a movie theater, plan ahead. And like don't when you're writing much. a romance novel, plan ahead. And if you're paying like 20 bucks for a ticket, you might want to remember the last half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a good public service that we're performing here. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to romance. Back to romance. I'm not sure if I've got really got much else to say. Are you going to read the next one? Because you seem to enjoy this a lot more than I did. I did. Are you um, curious to know what happens next? If it's available to me and not free, then no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I don't. I don't know. There's. We have so much to tackle in the genre. Right. But I'm just saying, like, you read really quickly, so. Yes, I did. This this book literally, I think, literally took me. I was like, literally, no, I am using it. Literally, literally took me. I think like two hours to read. Oh wow, that's yeah. fast. Yeah, I, I whipped through this one. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess we'll just end it there then. <sighs> Fine. So, <laughs> would you have more to add? No. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing. All right, until next time, I've been Rachel. And I've been Shelly. Keep it sexy. Supposed <laughs> <laughs> to be sexy. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm being a cat, <laughs> and and I couldn't do a falcon noise. Like Jesus, like that's way out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> I just totally. Where it go? <coughs> oh, ow. oh, and that tastes terrible like that. Was that oh. your wine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm all about class. <laughs>